amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. No, I'll be I'll be a member of the group. Oh, <laughs> oh I didn't wear it. <laughs> yeah, simple with that. We're not good enough for her, apparently. No, well, my my shirt's dirty, so oh, I have yeah. to get washed. <laughs> All I right. lost what? mine for a month. Don't feel bad. <laughs> lost it for a month. I did. <clears throat> All right, recording in three, two. Hi, I'm Marissa Alexa McCool, and when I'm not making fun of the cis and trampling on free speech rights, I took a left on the valley. <laughs> I know we shouldn't have to scream that we're atheists, you know, we don't have non-astrologers and all that, but with the religious people taking over the world, I mean, we can either speak up or be pushed into a corner. I'm proud to be an atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. You just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims That's something to be ashamed I'm an atheist Coming at you from finally smoke-free VCs This is Left of the Valley My name is Kevin And as a kid, my grandma gave me $5 And said not to tell my mom I told her, lady, this secret's gonna cost you <laughs> Joining me as usual is a team who asks Why do psychic ask you for your name? She stopped having imaginary friends because she hates fake people, Nancy. <laughs> and here we all are. <laughs> hey, what are you saying? Oh, but you set me up for that. <laughs> well and, done. And he wonders why lemon juice has artificial ingredients, but dishwashing soap contains real lemons. God. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> and she's so good at waking up at 6 a.m. that she rewards herself with another hour of sleep. Yes. <laughs> Very well done. Uh, what? Yeah. Three more likely? Can you teach hours? me this, Sensei? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, if it's welcome back. Ten, I'm not waking up. <laughs> oh, we're going to be hard to control today, Kevin. Oh. Better get the whip out. So what's different? <laughs> oh, wait a minute! I like whips. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, welcome back. Um, today we're going to be talking to uh, Karen Garst. Uh, she's a an author, and she's also the uh, she also has a blog called Faithless Feminist, and she's written a book about women leaving faith. So that will be very mm. interesting. But first, let's do a bit of chit chat. You guys know there's an eclipse tomorrow. I mean Monday. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, is it Monday? It's the yes, eclipse. Yes, solar eclipse. I'm so excited. Uh, they haven't cloudy. had one of those uh, in the area for quite a while. Some Christians already think it's the end of the world, of course. This is supposed to happen in the 9 o'clock hour here in a local time. Darn, I'll be sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's a, there's a good sign in that uh, my understanding is that in many places they're running out of solar eclipse glasses. Yes, they are. So that means it's really going to be a popular event. Yeah, and you can also use welding goggles for that. But you have to use some of the big welding goggles. But you can, can also use the old-fashioned pinhole trick in the uh, in, in the, the shoebox. Pinhole in the shoebox yeah. and, and and display it. 
So what you do is you look at the image it mm. produces instead yeah, you, of looking at the sun. Yeah, that was put, the old-fashioned way to do it. When yeah, I was a kid, that's what everybody did was pin, they did the it, pinhole. It in the shoebox, and yeah. then you put your back towards the sun so the light comes through the shoebox, makes an image on the back of the shoebox, oh, that's and that's so where cool. you see yeah. it. Yeah, and that's where you see it. Yeah. it it's or awesome. you could just wait for a film footage from every news yeah. station. But that'll the, pop. you want to uh, see it live. Yeah. There's a difference. So it's, it's interesting because... Uh, <laughs> It's come to the point. There's a, there's been a bit of a mania going about this. There's even Bonnie Tyler. <laughs> Remember Bonnie Tyler? Told the clips of the heart. I heard about this. There's, there's apparently a cruise where Bonnie Tyler's the main event. Yep. Just for that eclipse. <laughs> and right when the eclipse is happening, she's gonna sing. Exactly. It's gonna be amazing. I'm so kind of because I've seen three eclipses in my but this is total. A yeah, Wait. total solar eclipses. I've seen three in my lifetime. You in other places on the planet, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have not. <laughs> it's been a while since we have one around here. Um, did you guys hear about Asteroid 2012 TC4? No. This is an asteroid about the size of a house. It's about 15 to 30 meters. And it will pass Earth on October 20, uh, uh, Sorry, October 12th uh, by 44,000 kilometers. Now, that's in between the Earth and the Moon. Holy shit balls. It's aliens, guys. Yeah. Uh, it's actually about one-eighth of the distance to the moon, and it'll be traveling at 14 kilometers a second. Ouch. Yeah. That better, they better not have their calculations off. That could hurt. It's actually very close, because uh, some of the farthest satellites that we have on the planet right now are at 36,000 kilometers, and this thing's going to be at 44,000 kilometers. Um, and uh, they say if this, if this uh, meteorite was to impact Earth, it would have been the, about the same kind of event that they had in uh, Tus- um, Tunguska in Siberia in 1908. Another impact that flattened everything for kilometers. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would be the, uh, that was a, a similar size asteroid at the time. Uh, they say, uh, NASA saying there's not going to be a problem. It's just going to whiff right by. The, uh, the, uh, everybody in, in, uh, in NASA is using the opportunity to study uh, the the uh, asteroids and what they're doing in their orbits because this one apparently is one that comes back every so often. Oh, cool! Is yeah. anybody predicting the end of the world oh, at probably. the same date? If the Christians have heard about it, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because the we're the world's ending with the eclipse. We won't even get to see it. The eclipse is <laughs> see that's that's what it is. The eclipse is the precursor to the asteroid striking yeah. us and killing everyone. Oh yeah, yeah. sounds like a great miniseries. It does. It? it almost does. That's, yeah, let's do it. Uh, did you guys hear that Tim Allen, the actor, apparently tweeted, if we evolve from apes, why are they still apes? Who is Tim <laughs> Allen? What does he play? He, he was, uh, he was he had the that, uh, tool guy. Uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor Tim the tool man on Taylor. Home Improvement. For a guy who grunted his way to stardom. <laughs> I really mean, it, it, it was sarcastic. It was, no, 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 no. The, no, no, the no, best no. character absolutely. He's a, he's was a the dude across the fence. Oh, my. I forget his name. Oh, uh, uh, Wilson. 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 He is the best character. Yeah, he is he, the reason he passed I away, that show. Right, so. Yes, he's dead now. Yeah. yeah. Well, I forget the name of the actor of the name. So, like I said, for a guy who grunted his way to stardom, to start that tweet about, well, if we evolve from apes, why are there still apes? It's like, oh, come on. We didn't evolve from apes. That's why. I we evolved. Yeah, we evolved <laughs> in, in parallel with apes. <laughs> um, last week, we, as we were recording, we were talking about events that were happening in Charlottesville. And. It, the things have gone from bad to worse since then. Um, right in the middle of a recording, they started having some really interesting fights to the point that um, the protesters in Charlottesville, there was 34 injured and one dead. 
as a, uh, a man the name of James Alex Feel, he's about 20 years old, drove his car into the crowd, uh, killing a Heather Hire 32. Uh, he was arrested on the second degree murder and denied bail. Um, it got real ugly. It got real ugly. It's still ugly. It's still very ugly. Now, Trump commented uh, by not commenting at yeah. first. He decided not to make a comment at first. And then he came out. He said he condemned the violence on both sides. And this is what the, the whole problem is all about. And now all week you've had uh, clashes and uh, uh, against neo-Nazis. And it's gone to hell in a handbasket. Yeah. Yeah, and today... There's another event in Boston as we're recording. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I, I, do you think we ought to send notices out that we are recording, please don't have an event? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is now twice in a row <laughs> because we're not going to stop recording. No, we, no, we, we no. know that. Well, we'll have to do it like the NPR does and like say exactly when we recorded it. <laughs> Things right. might have changed. Hold, off, hold <laughs> off until we're done. It's so, a professional courtesy. I guess it raises the question uh, that everybody's been asking for quite some time now. Is it okay to punch a Nazi? You know? um, if they're no. about to do violence against someone else. It's, it's, I'm, not sure there's a good, I'm not sure there's a yes or no answer to that question. Really. Violence is never okay. I agree. But is it okay in reaction to imminent violence against someone else or yourself? Yes. So like, yeah. But then that's not the same as punching someone. If you're defending yourself, you're mm. defending yourself. But that could yeah. be against anyone. But just outright just, punching a Nazi, nah, not okay. No, uh, it's not I, you okay. know what? It's I, violence, and it should be shut down. I, I, I yes and no. I, I agree with that, and part of me doesn't agree with that. It's, it's like I say, you know, I probably wouldn't punch a Nazi myself, but I would probably smile if I saw somebody else do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> You're talking about neo-Nazis too, right? Yeah, You're talking yeah, about the Americans who think it's not like they're the Nazis. Third Reich is yeah, up, and you know, there's actually yeah. a military force. Well, if Hitler I, was here, it would be totally okay to punch him. Yeah, I'm, I'm in the I'm in the self-defense corner. I, I think, think we all are. If, you know, if you're if you're a parent and and there's a Nazi about to molest your child, you do whatever you you, you have to do to protect your your child and your and your loved ones. And if it's a matter of your life, then you do whatever you mm -hmm. can to protect your life. Well, but, well, let's take, let's take but this. to have to have the Nazis there to even ask the question is an abomination, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, let, let's say, for example, what, what is happening during these protests, all right? Uh, these neo-Nazis, call them what you want. Well, let's call them Nazis for the, for the sake of the argument here. They're coming there. They're coming with flags, but they're also coming with two-by-fours and plastic shields and everything. Mm -hmm. They're coming for a fight. Yep. They're coming ready for a fight. The police presence, for some reason, we, says, we touched on that last week, is minimal. Uh, I can't help but think that, you know... Replace the Nazis with a gang of black people, and it'd be <laughs> well, the whole military look, would be there. We can look yeah. at past events where yeah. it has been exactly different groups that exactly. have had a totally different reaction from the police. There are there are also lots of videos of people uh, kind of edging on the mm -hmm. Nazis to go and and well, I'm using Nazis for lack of a better word, uh, word here. The white supremacists, maybe I should say, and, and for, from testimony of a lot of people, group. they're the ones that actually started the fight. Mm -hmm. So now they're, they're, they're fighting against the counter-protesters. They're coming in there to protest the white supremacist protest. Mm -hmm. uh, it gets really, really ugly. 
What was this protest started all about? What was we, the last initial... week we talked about that. Now, I, this week is on social media and all over the place. They've been made with, let's say, for example, a, a picture of a statue of Martin Luther King. It says, well, Martin Luther King was racist. Should we remove his statue? Yeah, but slavery. There, there's, there's something here that's you, uh, because there's still like 700 conf- Confederate statues mm-hmm. in the United States that should be removed. It's um, a, and, and it isn't about statues. It's about white supremacy. Yeah. It never was about statues. The statues were were built at a time when the Jim Crow laws exactly. were coming into effect, yeah. and they were a symbol of white dominance. Exactly. I mean, the it's losers, like, the yeah. losers decided that's what they were going to do to intimidate um, the blacks. The vast yeah. majority of these statues were not erected after the Civil War. Mm-hmm, exactly. They were erected in the 50s and 60s with the Jim Crow laws. And yeah, all. and I have, I mean, I, 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 this is a personal statement, but there should Nancy not be... Nancy was there. She erected something. <laughs> yeah, because when I was there, that's right. <laughs> I helped, you know, I, I didn't help carve them. I that objected is, to though, them. You were I actually object- alive when this happened. Yeah, I, I, I objected <laughs> to them at time when I was a baby. Um, but the, the, if it's important enough to preserve these statues, then put them in a Confederate museum. Well, I think Put them, them someplace where they can be looked at and and studied, um, studied without the connection to the government itself. And, That's the problem. And in a museum, you can surround it with context. Well, you can have yeah. a plaque explaining what this person did and why it was made into a statue. What, yeah, when it's what in they a represented public place, and what the history of it is. It gives yeah. an idea of... Make uh, having like this is a valid person in the fact that their ideas mattered, so that's why we have a statue of them. No, per- personally, I call bullshit on on that because for for like like Nancy said, most of these statues came at a time. These are not granite statues. You, you had the footage of one statue taken down, and when it fell to the ground, it bended like a pretzel. Oh wow! Because they're they're made of actually cheap bronze. They were manufactured cheaply and quickly to be erected, like you said, for Jim Crow laws. So it's not... And of course, you take, for example, Robert E. Lee never was in Charlottesville. He never came there. Then why is it in Charlottesville? Because it's not because of the heritage of the Southern heritage. It's because it sends a message. And that's why that statue was erected. And that's why they should be taken down. Uh, if you really want to do it right, you need to do it like Germany does. There's no statues of Hitler in Germany. Yeah. However, all over the town, all over the, the country, actually, there are plaques saying... On this day, this happened here. Oh, that's so nice. Like, right? That's... And I, I truly think we should do that as a country here in Canada yeah. as well. Uh, so when you erect a statue, you kind of glorifying yep. the person. Totally. Oh, we just, took a, we just took a statue down. Didn't they cover a statue up in Halifax of... Uh, I don't know. I haven't what heard was his name? Cornwallis. Wasn't there a big fight about covering up Cornwallis because of what Cornwallis meant to the natives? Cornwallis mm-hmm. uh, systematically destroyed entire entire tribes. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I mean the the point in in terms of the fact that they were built for intimidation. Every every citizen pays taxes, and the taxes go to benefit the country in one way or the other. You don't have a statue of intimidation where people are paying taxes to keep that. Um, statue on government grounds. You keep it maintained, you keep it polished, and so forth. You shouldn't have to do that. I, th- I think the, the argument you're going to get here, and I'm going to play devil's advocate, is 
What about the people who supported Robert E. Lee? What about all the Southerners who are bring the South back? The South shall rise again. That's fine. Then then there are Confederate museums. There are parks. As long as they're away from government grounds and a plaque is put up in context, those are also voting citizens. And if there's enough of them voting, they can say we want our damn statue. There's enough what? They, they could turn around if there's enough of them and say, look, put the damn statue back. Yeah, the, the, right. the, you know, if they vote that, sure, may make it happen, I guess. Well, it hasn't come to a vote. Has, you know, well, apparently in Mississippi, I think it has, or Alabama, one of those okay. weird states. But, you know, I really think that, you know, a piece of advice to our American friends down south, you really need to get over people that are way down south there. We need to get over this south will rise again stupidity. I mean, no, the South will not rise again. It's not going to happen. You're not going to go into revolt. You're not going to create your own country. It's about the same kind of stupid argument that we have up here with Quebecers. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. Well, Scott, to your point, and this may be a little extreme, it would be like enough people saying, we want to have separate but equal bathrooms and water fountains brought back. It, it, it's exactly the same. You will always have a group of people who want to dominate and, and have discrimination. That doesn't mean because there are so many of them that they deserve to be... Uh, oh, I, I agree with you. It, However, yeah. that's what creates civil unrest. And that's no, and, and, when and enough it, people get together who feel that they've been slighted. Now you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you have to address the root causes of that rather than saying, yeah, we'll put those ugly symbols up because we don't know what else to do with and you. This, and this is why the United States, just like Canada, well, Canada is not really considered a republic, but the United States is not a pure republic. It's not a democracy by, by mob. This is a constitutional democracy. So even if the majority of people vote a certain way, if it goes against their constitution, it gets overruled. Mm-hmm. And they need to understand that. Which is a fight, of course, we know very well as atheists because yeah. <laughs> separation of church and state and all that stuff, that's constitutional. And there is equal, rep- equal equality under the law yeah. in, in terms of the, the 14th Amendment. Yeah, so, so even if, if uh, the, all of a sudden the United States turned 90% Christian and they all voted to uh, make it a theocracy, unless they actually change the Constitution, it ain't going to happen. So they would actually uh, have to the, change the Constitution first. The beauty of the American Constitution. Exactly. It exactly. can be changed. Well, yeah, just like any Constitution can be changed, but you just have to go through the motion first. You can't just make it happen on one vote. Mm-hmm. Right? It's uh, an interesting debate, and absolutely. it should be debated, and it's, it, it should be messy, and, and you, you have to have the, the, the principles behind the, the Constitution and the, the principles of ethics that say, in the, in the end, good will result. But yeah. the, the debate and the conversations should be civil and should continue mm-hmm. until it's resolved. And unfortunately, the, uh, the, president, the current president of the United States is just not leading the way. And I think this is exemplified very well. There was a tweet. Uh, the Twitter handle was called, at the press Darth Vader. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and it said, sure, the empire is evil. But nobody's talking about the extremely violent rebel alliance. I saw that tweet. And that's just, that explains it perfectly well. Yeah. Exactly what Trump did and what he said and why he's an idiot. I mean, it's just... It's, As if we didn't need evidence. No, no. It's, it's, it's appalling that. that the 
the an elected president of the of a country who's supposed to represent the best of of the country to represent all of the citizens doesn't come out and not only condemn the the Nazis and the alt right whatever you want to call them but also talk to people and say you have a perfect right to be able to demonstrate peacefully and this is what uh, what we would expect from you and then lay it out go ahead but let's do this peacefully let's let not have protests but let's have civil dialogue in order to calm people down he's not doing anything no, he's, he's promote it and by his silence he's promoting this kind of chaos and unrest in a way he actually is and to, uh, apparently today there are some protests in some cities in, in in canada vancouver being one of them now here's the difference between canada and the u.s in canada you do have freedom of speech as well but we have hate speech laws. exactly exactly so i i really doubt that it's going to become really violent like it has down yeah. there because if white supremacists because i'm sure there are some white supremacists up here too mm-hmm. Oh, yes, there are. I'm sure I know there are. some of them. Uh, and if, if they start inciting hate and all like that, they're under... Uh, yeah, the they're going to have the, the cops The police can them. have them removed. Exactly, in no time. Yeah. So that, there's a difference. I mean, I understand, you know, uh, freedom of speech and all that, and some people, you know, uh, don't like the idea that uh, the Canadian government interferes in some freedoms of speech, but I think it's warranted. It's a bit like when well, the Westboro Baptist Church tried to come up here, and the Canadian government told them, no, you're not. Mm-hmm. You know, freedom of speech is a, is a really ucky icky subject because the freedom of speech rules are not for you to be able to say whatever you want whenever you want freedom of speech means the free exchange of ideas saying i hate you and you're a coward and you're an idiot is not a free exchange of ideas it's accusations and and uh, what do you call that slander yeah, it's why not, are you looking at me? Okay, well, because. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, he's not going to say it's that It's okay, to me. he was looking at me, too. I'm, I'm just going to so, mute Scott here. Freedom of speech. I'm just gonna, no, sorry. Yeah. You've been muted, Scott. <laughs> I love you, Kevin. <laughs> I have the power. <laughs> I like it. That was good. Well done, sir. Finish your thoughts, sir. Finish uh, your thoughts. It's just freedom of speech. Freedom There's of a speech responsibility that goes with freedom of speech, and that is that, that when you speak, you're trying to bring about either a change or in, in a positive light, not tear things down. And people seem to lose that with freedom of speech. They think it means they can say whatever they want, whenever they want. That's not what the idea of freedom of speech was for. Mm-hmm. It's so that we can exchange ideas with each other in a respectful environment and get those ideas heard by the people. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Uh, let's finish off by making a quick note, I guess, uh, although it's just a tragic day. You guys heard about the Barcelona attacks? Yeah. Yeah. So so far, uh, over 13 killed Thursday. Uh, a separate attack also on uh, Cambrais, uh 120 kilometers away. Um, seven really? injured attacks were claimed by ISIS. They're still uh, going through the motions on that. So Have they actually figured out if it was ISIS? Well, ISIS claimed them. Whether or not it was actually them, that's another thing. There was also a stabbing in Finland. Oh, seriously? Yeah, oh, I didn't got, hear that one. Yeah, there was, a, there was a, and they're calling it a terrorist act. It was a Muslim. What's very interesting here is I think security measures against uh, terrorism have become so good that now terrorists are resorting to vehicles mm-hmm. instead of guns. Vehicles, it's a knives, and knives. It's, yeah. an, it's a brilliant and horrible weapon. Uh, yeah, it is, it is. But at the same time, it kind of shows that, you know, uh, security concerns have been addressed. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, police departments and special security forces of every country have been working hard 
to uh, keep weapons out of the hands of civilians in that sense. And now they're resorting to something that you can't you can't ban cars, right? No. You can't ban yeah, it's a little the hard kitchen to do knives. That. So they're resorting to that. So in a way, it's as tragic as it is, I'm kind of hopeful because you know we're we're taking away their weapons slowly but surely. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I don't know as the technology gets better and people get more aware, maybe they'll, they'll have to give up the car too. And then what? You know, yeah. tech you would well, buildings. soon, when, soon when we won't be driving. Electronic? You know, in, in another 15, <laughs> 20 years, we won't be driving cars anymore. The cars exactly. will be driving us. Exactly. So that'll be the terrorist act cut off there. They yeah. won't be able to do that anymore. They Unless you can program a, a car to, you know, yeah, find and, and, a, you know, zoom in on a, a group of uh, individuals and let it go. Uber and ISIS joining forces. <laughs> <laughs> Amazon and ISIS. Oh my God. Nancy, my dear, we're doing a quack watch? Well, actually, we're doing something a little bit different. We're not doing um, quack watch. We're not going to do day in history. I don't know what to call it. It's sort of like... Uh, who knew? Or Ooh. gee, I didn't know okay, that. So or I'm not sure. I'm not sure what kind of music I'm going to Something, cool. something a little different. <laughs> she always digs up the most interesting stuff too. Oh, well, right. I'm, I'm hoping this will be interesting. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see as we go along whether you find it interesting. I really thought it was was interesting, but heck, who am I? Just the oldest person in the room. What do I know? Mike is but all yours, dear. Here we go. Okay. Did you know that in the states where We've all been hearing about Obamacare and health care and so forth. Did you know that there are actually Christian health plans? Specific Christian health, Christian plans? health plans. I know. Just use prayer, guys. This, this is prayer. <laughs> and it's not new. Christian health plans have been around in the States for the last 20 years. And it's not that they've been operating under the radar. It's just we've never heard about we've never heard about them until until recently. So uh, Christian I, health plans. I should change the music theme here. Hold on a second. Oh, let's. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's okay, more appropriate. Here we go. Yeah. And what what health what health care uh, plans are, <laughs> I have lost it. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm with Christina deep, on this one. Deep breath. Why do they need a health plan? They've got Jesus. <laughs> okay, what what they are? Health care. They're health care sharing ministries, and they're founded on the biblical principle of believers sharing each other's needs or burdens. And the ministries often cite the mandate of Galatians six two to bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ, which is a very interesting concept because it's a good concept in terms of, of helping one another and, and stepping in when, when help is, is needed. But I thought God wouldn't give you anything you can't handle by yourself. <laughs> I'm not a Christian. I can't answer that. But it seems it seems it seems to be working because there are over a million people in the United States that have health plans that are um, uh, ministry uh, ministry back. Um, they're applicable. Um, the, oh, other people see the origins of the Book of Acts. You guys are much more familiar with this than I am. That that states that early Christians were together and had everything in common and gave to anyone as he had a need. So this goes back biblically to, uh, to, to you know all that that far. But practically, they've been um, in in effect for as I say the last the last twenty years. Actually, although they're called healthcare sharing ministries, they're not healthcare plans. They're actually pools, and the way they work 
is that um, for people who are looking for alternatives to the rising cost of medical insurance coverage, um, this is an option. Um, there are some short-term plans and some fixed indemnity plans, um, and there are low-cost Christian health plans, um, and here's here's how they work. Um, and it, it, this is a principle that's been used in, in other uh, groups of people, but this is specific to the, the, the Christians in the States. Um, it's an eligible option under the Affordable Care Act. Uh, to give you a little little background, it's not insurance. There is a religious exemption to having them. Um, it's uh, uh, they, they are regu- they're not regulated by insurance, but they are um, regulated regulated by an annual audit. And what it is is that people that gather together um, either uh, as an individual, the health care ministries, either as an individual company or backed by churches, and the people who elect to have a Christian health care plan pay a contribution every month and it goes into a wide pool and then that pool is used to pay the medical expenses of of the members so it's not insurance they they don't have a uh, they're not government backed and by risk and 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 so forth so the difference is that a traditional insurance company contracts with a network of physicians and hospitals to negotiate costs up front. We don't have that in Canada, so I'm not going to go into mm-hmm. the, the differences because they, they're, uh, they, they're not applicable to us. But Christian healthcare sharing plans enable members to select their own providers and provide access to discounts similar to those that insurers and insurance companies require. And the level of help that's given may vary from one health care sharing ministry to the next. There are about nine of them, but there are three that are are at the top, and they have um, different rates of contributions from um, the lowest, which they may call a bronze uh, sharing plan, a silver sharing plan, and then a gold sharing plan. And then people elect exactly the plan that they they want to, and then they're they're nonprofit and they're administered by by a board. And so far, uh, everything that I can research says that they are on the up and up. But there are very little complaints about them, wow. and they're all handled in a very business like business like way. One of the interesting differences is that in addition to having um, medical coverage if someone needs prayer coverage or they need to have prayer some coverage? they have prayer coverage oh, that doesn't uh, cost extra start the song again. if you need prayer coverage because you have a catastrophic illness of one kind or another you can also post that and people will will pray for your for your illness or for your medical um, uh, problems as well so thank goodness I had prayer coverage yeah like it's <laughs> prayer well because it's it's a Christian uh, health sharing. A lot of people buy into this because um, of what it doesn't cover rather than, than what it does. What? So some of the things that Christian health care plans do not cover are abortion, drug rehab, 
and alcohol rehab because the members in each sharing plan are required to be alcohol and drug free, to attend church on a regular basis, and to abide by Christian principles. And in many cases, the members have to prove that they actually are uh, um, good good Christians, either by having the minister, or the pastor, or there's a breathalyzer some, at the entrance yeah, of the church. Yeah, <laughs> and, 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 there's a reason. There's a reason for that, other than the. Um, the fact that they're Christian in that because it's an alternative to insurance, it's specific to uh, the religious uh, uh, beliefs. So people in there have to prove that they that they do have um, that kind of religious belief. So the things that they don't cover are if you're an unwed mother, your pregnancy is not going to be covered because that's against Christian principles. So that's not covered. Other ineligible uh, coverage, contraceptives, birth control expenses, bills for fertility procedures or treatments, bills for gestation or surrogate maternity procedures. You would think they'd want to pay for that, fertility treatments. <laughs> yeah, they don't, they don't, but some, some insurance um, uh, I mean, the Christians always want more Christian soldiers. You would think they would pay for fertility treatment. But yeah. if God doesn't want you to have kids. Well, they oh, don't, yeah, I guess so. Bills for sterilization or reversal procedures no, aren't they won't want covered. That. Genetic testing isn't isn't covered. Um, naturally, abortions as I said, or births from unwed mothers. Psychological treatment, tests for counseling, those aren't. Um, <laughs> wow. I can understand that one, though. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you don't wanna, you, yeah, that's right. You don't want to send them to a professional yeah. psychologist. Because <laughs> no. Oh, and, and if you go to the emergency room and you're psychotic, that's not covered. Only uh, physical uh, problems are, are covered in the emergency wow. well. Um, bills incurred as a result of uh, abuse of drugs or, or alcohol. So, But Christians realize that this is a plan for them because it's plans that, that stand up for their, their Christian principles. So they're, they're happy to do that. It's becoming more more popular um, as time goes on and, and as the, the country becomes more divided on uh, abortion issues um, then they they, uh, they are becoming more more popular. Um, the members uh, that um, are the most eligible and find that the, the, the plans are are best for them are um, members who are young, healthy and don't have, pre-existing conditions. The pre-existing conditions are handled differently by the different plans. It's uh, it's still up in the air whether or not uh, your pre-existing pl- uh, illness is going to be covered or not, which becomes very interesting when people adopt a child. Many times that child will be covered under the family plan, but any pre-existing problems before the adoption won't be covered. And that's that's caused some problems with some of the some of the members. Um, people who live a healthy lifestyle, no tobacco use and minimal alcohol use. People who are facing unaffordable health care insurance premiums. Um, they, they, for instance, people who work at McDonald's are very low-paying jobs. This will at least give them minimal care if they don't. If they're women, they don't plan to get pregnant. If they're not unwed mothers and they they uh, don't drink a lot of alcohol and so forth. And of course, they meet the organization's belief statement 
and people are comfortable with a non-insurance solution. But there are risks because the, the payout really depends on how much money is in the pool. So there are a lot of things that, um, that aren't going to be covered. Wellness exams are not covered, so you, people really have to look very carefully. But for people with large families that are making minimum amounts of, of income, they seem to be working well. And people can get a regular health plan coverage along with the Christian coverage as well. There don't there doesn't seem to be any opposition uh, by the plans for people to get catastrophic care because this isn't always covered. There's a limit. I think it's $125,000 for catastrophic care. So people under um, um, who, who have cancer or things like that, when they reach the limit, if they if they can negotiate between the Christian health care plan and a regular Obama plan. They, uh, they're not encouraged necessarily to do so, but everything is listed up front so the people know what is covered and what isn't covered. So in general, I think it's an interesting alternative. Um, I think maybe other groups can look into something like that. They're not uh, regulated by state insurance boards, so that's a plus and a minus. But things like this have been in operation for, for generations. Uh, certain immigrants have come over from various countries and formed cousins clubs or family clubs where they pool their money and then uh, have enough money to allow another family member to come over or the family members who are here to be, to invest in business. This is just another way to, to use a pool uh, to provide um, I mean, uh, The basic care. idea is not bad. The basic idea is if, a good one. If they, they stop making it so Christian-like. And, but they're know, allowed to do that. You discriminate when you do Christian things. Right, but for people who are Christian, it's saying this is good for us. You, you know, you find your own solution. We're not forcing this on you because we're no, Christians. Also, we're doing something about it. You're also not accepting us. people that are not Christian all day, right? Right. Exactly. So. That's right. But, you know, there are plans that, you know, just have people who are Italian, who are Irish, who are um, truck drivers, who are doctors and fishermen and so forth. So, But that's not necessarily a, a bad thing unless it uh, causes harm in one way or the other by being discriminatory. So mm. that's uh, that's the the Christian health plan. So what, is, what do you guys think about it? I, I, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I don't think... There's anything per se wrong with what they're doing? I still want my prayer coverage. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Everybody could use a good, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a good prayer every now and yep. then. Because <laughs> didn't you guys know it's been proved that it works? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah what, what was that? It was a two, no, it's, it's two, actually the opposite. It's yeah. been proved two, two percent it plus or minus 2% that yeah, it works? Exactly That's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the interesting thing is the these plans are absolutely transparent and upfront about what they cover, what they don't cover, and what, what the obligations. They're run, but, but they're you run don't really know, well. See, the, here's the thing, though. You don't know how much money you're going to get. So when the doctor says... Uh, $5,200 for that bone to be set. Um, yeah, but we're only going to cover 400 of it. Hmm. Well, the, in that case, the the members of the health care plans are encouraged to negotiate with their doctors because the way they pay is that you pay the doctor and then you're reimbursed. And many times in the States, if you say it's self-pay, 
the doctors will give you a, a, a discount. Not in all cases. But I don't think it's a discount. I think that what they're giving you is the proper price. The proper, yeah. yeah. It's insured. They, they inflate the price. I saw that with a windshield place once. Yeah, they do yeah. that all the time. It's an old business practice. Thank you so much for that report, Nancy. We almost got our, uh, our guests almost ready for us, but just before that, let's do... Things that make you go... Got a quick little story on this. You know, we just talked about the solar eclipse, and you knew this was bound to happen. Apparently, there's a group that plans to protest the upcoming solar eclipse. <laughs> protest the eclipse. Yes. Well, there goes the eclipse. Return your glasses. You know, because the universe has gotten away with doing whatever it wants for too damn long. That's now. right, boy. Actually, there's a group called Kentuckians for Coal, which yes. appears to have been created solely for this purpose. They say they're angry that everyone's getting very excited about this eclipse in the city of Hopkinsville, and no one cares about coal. <laughs> Okay, so is this a satire group? No, this is a person. No, I looked, I looked it up. I thought it was something like The Onion satire or Satire, and I looked it up, and it's real. But like, but like, You mean The Onion stories aren't it? real? No. The <laughs> they, are they doing it as like a joke, or are they like... No. Oh, no, apparently no, it's, it's they're real. serious. Kentuckians for Coal seems to be an ad hoc coalition of miners, union official, family members, and coal users created to defend the Kentucky coal industry against encroachments from renewable energy industries oh, okay, and so from it's economic not like development. They were created specifically to protest no, the eclipse. No. Okay, so that's what I thought originally. So I'm like, but they were created for the larger area of protesting, like um, renewable, renewable energy. Yeah. Okay. So Kentuckians for Coal stands <laughs> against the eclipse and those who worship it. That, that's <laughs> yeah. what they said. The protesters oh, worship the electric car. <laughs> <laughs> protest. Yeah, worship the sun and the eclipse. The protesters chose the New Era office location because the newspaper and other fake news media have been overhyping the eclipse because of its potential to boost local economic development while ignoring the importance of the coal industry. They added that the eclipse will mean a surge of people visiting Hopskinville and that will surely mean expensive hotel rooms, gas station running out of gas, yeah sure, <laughs> and an invasion of prostitutes. Well, obviously. <laughs> an invasion of prostitutes. How does the eclipse do that? Um, you have to have a, conceive a child at the exact moment of <laughs> the eclipse. So then a magical baby will be born. So apparently these, these Wait guys, a minute. I've heard this story before. No, no. That was a bright star, not an eclipse. But yeah. <laughs> it's been the same thing. So apparently they're all for civic pride, they say, but they want more attention. <laughs> Kentuckians for Coal understand civic pride and the importance of economic development, but the extent of the sun worship lacks a common sense and good horse judgment. Says Major Joseph Calvin, media coordinator for Kentuckians for Coal, a mine is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> yeah, that's not even funny. And of course, this is Mitch McConnell's state. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so. If that uh, it resonates with anybody. But it, it's insane when you think, like, are these people wanting to spend the rest of their lives working in the coal industry when it's yeah. like, it's not a good industry to it's work in? It's not even in. a good job. It's a like, horrible job. Like, renewable energy is such a better area to work in health wise, socially. Yeah. Like, it's. Well, they, they, better industry. They, they believe the hype that the uh, solar jobs are not happening, oh, and they really? think you might as well stick with the jobs we already have. That's their mentality. But they the don't seem to realize when you're a coal miner, your lifespan is shortened by 15 years half the time. That's insane. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a horrible, horrible job to have. I wouldn't want to be a coal miner. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, I think this is. I like to breathe. I think this is like the, the coal miners. <laughs> last stand sort of like the buggy whip mentality yeah. well you know they came with such great uh, great uh, hits as uh, clean coal and uh, you know 
Well, it's the owners Maybe more than the workers. The, 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 the workers, I think, are trapped in this, you know. Yeah, uh, they, 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 you've been a coal miner all your life. You're not yeah. thinking, oh, my God, I'm too old to start learning solar panels. I'm going to keep working at coal. And this like, is and, it. And also, guard. like, for the country itself, renewable energy, just like visually, is so much nicer. Yeah. Because, like, who wants to live in a town with a coal stack? Nobody. I agree. But don't you know these these windmills are such eyesores? But they're so beautiful. <laughs> oh, and these these windmills apparently make sounds that drive you insane. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and they might kill birds. I've got video where I stood right next to one of those big windmills. I stood literally 15 feet from the opening because that's where the fence was. Were you blown away? I didn't <laughs> hear anything. I could barely hear it. The Seriously? traffic from the road was making more noise. Wow. This thing was turning away, churning away, and it was one of the big giant yeah. ones in Ontario. And... I told my son to shut up. I couldn't hear the windmill. <laughs> my son was talking away to me. I said, shut up. I'm trying to film the, oh, film the wow. windmill for the sound. I couldn't hear anything. <laughs> I want to see that video. It really is a sight. I mean, in California, there's an area where you're driving through uh, central California, heading to northern California, or the reverse, and there are just fields and fields of the, yeah. the windmills. I, I remember beautiful to see. driving they over really the are. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're driving with the Coquihalla. They put in a few. Yeah, there's gorgeous. lines of them. Right? They're gorgeous. I'm just like, I just yeah, want to park and stare at you. There's one on top of Grouse Mountain, too. Well, you can oh, save yeah. free energy, but you do have to maintain these things. Well, yeah, right? but it's not free. The maintaining to, cost yeah. is probably cheaper yeah. than. Oh, yeah, coal's on its way yeah. out. Oh, Oil's sure. on its way out. It's about freaking time, too. And isn't it so much nicer to be like, you know what? I work in. I work in like on in a wind farm versus like I'm a work in the coal mine. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I love it when they say, "Oh, you know, those windmills are such an awful sight." Yeah, it's still much better looking than a whole bunch of pump jacks all but, over well, the place. Yeah, pump jacks, or or talk to anybody who lives in the area of a, of a coal fired electrical plant. I oh, know yeah. Dart uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. People who lived around that plant, they have a coal-fired plant there, and their cars, within three years, had no paint left on them. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Just mm. dirty. Oh, wow. So, so anyway. House damaged, your shingles yeah. are damaged, your siding's damaged. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious, like, with specifically wind turbines, like, I know, like, one thing that's been brought up is, like, them killing birds. I'm like, how many birds actually die from them? Oh, there's piles. Yeah. I didn't read it, but I had seen this article that they were looking into making wind turbines that actually didn't have the full turbine. Yeah, they, they have different types of turbines now, yeah. too. Oh, right? cool. Yeah, exactly. But, but you know, I, I've seen it. I've, I've personally seen it. Piles of birds. So, yeah. I mean, if they don't come and clean them out, the wind turbine stops because the pile of birds <laughs> gets in the way. And, I'm, yeah, joking, I'm joking, guys. Yeah, of course you're joking. It, it turns red and it's like yeah, that's called natural selection. Blood dripping from the blades. If, you know, if you're if you're if you're a bird and you get hit by this massive pole turning very slow, you know that's natural selection. I'm sorry, dude. The birds could just sit on it. <laughs> probably, they probably could. To flutter to the new, the next, next one. one. <laughs> get it right. It's a Ferris wheel for birds. Exactly. I, I, have, tr- I have trouble believing. Like I've seen the. Well, we've all seen them operate. They're. They are big, and yeah, I'm positive the blade moves pretty fast at the tip. But I'm don't I'm not thinking that a bird would get in the way of that. No. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking a bird would avoid that. No, yeah, in the whole you know. Sky. Yeah, yep. exactly. <laughs> All right, thank you so much for that, guys. So let's take a quick break and let's come back with Karen Garst. So stay with us. What is secular humanism? Critical thinking. Knowledge is freedom. Freedom from ignorance and its offspring, fear. 
The BC Humanist Association has been active in the Vancouver area for over 25 years. We offer a friendly and welcoming place to make new friends, as well as free educational lectures. We invite you to join us any Sunday at 10 a.m. in the Oak Ridge Senior Center. Please visit our website for more details, bchumanist.ca. Hi, I'm the Supreme Irreverend Dr. Randy Tyson from the Legion of Reason Diversion. Join me and my co-hosts, Christine Shelska, Twyla, and Nate Phelps, as we explore issues at the intersection of atheism, humanism, and skepticism. Topics range from alternative medicine to the interference of religion in public policy. We often have special guests to help us understand the topic du jour. Previous guests include biologist Jerry Coyne, ex-Muslim author Ali Rizvi, philosopher Peter Bogosian, and the late physicist Victor Stanger. You can watch us on the Legion of Reason YouTube channel or subscribe to the audio version through your favorite podcatcher such as iTunes or Stitcher. And don't forget to like the Legion of Reason Facebook page. in the 60s. Oh, so you're related to Khrushchev. Well, great. No, no, we'll no. Start no. A rumor. Khrushchev, my husband's family <laughs> sold husband's related to Khrushchev. To Khrushchev. And wow. when he came to the United States in the 60s, he visited the farm. It was my husband's uncle. Oh, wow. Very cool. Oh, yeah. That's Isn't cool that cool? Piece. That's a cool piece of history. Wow. Where in the States are you, Karen? I'm in Oregon. Oh, you're not that far so from you, us. They're you, like neighbors. Yeah, and Nancy, you were there when Khrushchev came to Oregon, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we no, have this thing. no, he came He came to, um, I think it was Iowa. Oh, Iowa he too? Did. Yeah, Nancy was probably Iowa. there. Yeah, we don't do corn seed here in Oregon. <laughs> Nancy was probably there too. We got this thing going on, and Nancy's been was, everywhere through time. I was there. Well, if they show again. pictures of the crowd, next time I'll show you where I was. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> the pictures of the crowd, I love it. <laughs> She's I'm been lady, everywhere and done everywhere. everything. Everywhere, every Forrest place. Gump has nothing Omniscient. on Nancy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, let's get this going on. So joining us online is Karen Garce. She is a uh, she has a blog called the Faith- Faithless Feminist. She's an author. She's a snappy dresser and a snazzy dancer. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. It's my pleasure. Thank you. I started laughing like three seconds into it. That's pretty it was good. your voice. It's my voice. Oh. No, no, I think it was the dancer. Sorry, Kevin, we laugh at you too. You just don't see it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> this is why I drink. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you know, you're an author. Uh, you, I'm sure you're quite su- successful down in the States. You might not be as well known up here in Canada. Would you be so kind to give us maybe a little Reader's Digest version of who you are? Okay. Um... I went to school from kindergarten through PhD directly. I was having trouble kind of getting out of academia, uh, but I never went into it. But my PhD is on cultural reproduction, which, interesting, 40 years later turns out to be pretty relevant. And I've had various positions. I retired in 2008 as executive director of the Oregon State Bar. And then I was having lunch with a friend of mine who's an author two days 
two days after the wonderful United States Supreme Court issued its decision in Burwell v. Hobby Lobby. And in that decision, it decided that because Hobby Lobby was a privately held company and had some serious religious views, that it didn't have to provide certain forms of birth control under our Affordable Care Act to its female employees. And I was livid. And my friend said, you should write a book. And I said, well, the only thing I get pissed about is religion. And (laughs) here we are three years later. (laughs) And um, I do have a YouTube channel, which is Faithless Feminist. And then my book is Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. And it's an anthology of 22 women from the ages of 18 to 70 who tell their stories about leaving religion. Goodness. Okay, that, that's great. So 22 uh, short stories of women who have left religion. Did you find a common thread between them besides leaving religion, of course? I mean, was there a, 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 a similar motive for all of these women or they, they all have different reasons? They all are different. Some of them, uh, one of them was born in Zimbabwe. One was born oh. in Peru. Uh, several were born in Europe but came here to the United States. And they were the most secular, the ones from Europe. Uh, a couple from Germany and one from um, England. In fact, it's a funny story. My friend who's from England said, you know, in England, when you want directions, they say, oh, yeah, it's just down the street from the lucky pub. (laughs) And uh, they direct everything from that. And when she moved to the United States, she moves to the southern part of the United States. And they always said, oh, it's right next to the Catholic Church. And like, I don't know where the Catholic Church is, (laughs) but they were they were more secular. (laughs) <laughs> than the ones who were born here. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows that the values of each country, right? In the States, yeah. everybody knows where the Absolutely. church is. And in Europe, everybody knows where the pub is. Well, the problem is it's like, which Catholic church? There are so many. <laughs> oh, yeah, which which Protestant church? I mean, when, you, when I go to the South, like North Carolina, I swear there's a church on every block. It's really amazing. Well, not even just in the South. I have a cousin, actually, who just lives across the border in Washington <laughs> in a tiny town of 300 people. There are seven churches. You that's amazing. No, yeah, that's kind of like where we live, though. Seven I mean, churches. Yeah, but there's, there's still, I mean, Abbotsford is has the most churches per capita across the country. Yes, but I'm pretty sure there's more than, I mean, less than seven churches per 300 people. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, there's less. <laughs> yeah, Karen. Big up here, we have over, we have a population of about 150,000, and we have a little over a hundred, a hundred churches at this point. So, I, no, I didn't even know the number. Yeah. yeah, that's good to know. Well, as we said in uh, North Dakota, where I grew up, Ufta. Ufta, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of churches. That's a lot of churches. That's a lot of churches. Uh, so, so you, what prompted you to write this with this book, Women Beyond Belief? Was simply the the, the the Hobby Lobby decision? That was it. Yes, my husband and I kind of wandered away from church, you know, twenty years ago or so, and. We never joined any secular communities. I had no idea there was anything like the Humanists of Greater Portland or anything like that. Um, So we weren't involved in the secular community at all, Uh, but we were clearly atheists. We uh, raised our son secular, and it was that decision and the timing of talking to my friend who was an author that said, you know, I need to do something about this. I came of age in the 60s and 70s. I remember before birth control was readily accessible. I remember when abortion was illegal. And I said, we fought this battle. We shouldn't be fighting it again. Hmm. That's a very good point. So does that mean you have a tendency to write a book every time the government does something stupid on the states? Because you'll be writing forever. You know, I don't know if I have enough time to do that. I am working on a second book. <laughs> oh, and yeah. the second book is called Women V 
religion, like women versus religion, the case, the case against faith and for freedom. And that book, again, is a collection of essays. Most of the authors are already uh, women atheist authors who've already written a book or a blog or Mm -hmm. something. And it explores in a more, not academic, but they're not personal essays. It's more persuasive. And it shows the impact on the Hispanic Mm -hmm. community, um, African-American community. I have an ex-Muslim who wrote an essay, um, a biology professor, uh, Valerie Tirico, who's from Seattle, and uh, each of them take a different piece. And what I say is if a woman can read that whole book and still be religious, there's no hope. <laughs> <laughs> Do you find that, you know, when, we, when you look at the atheist movement, uh, the big names in the atheist movement are the vast majority of them are men. Yeah. Uh, do you feel that women are not taking their place in the movement or are they being held back by men? Or how, how do you, as a woman yourself who's been talking to all these women, do you feel there's a misogynist, uh, pro, uh, a problem of misogyny within atheism? Well, I, I don't. And I'll just give you my own personal experience. Early on, somebody introduced me to Dr. Peter Boghossian, mm. who wrote the Manual for Creating Atheists and has developed this app called Atheos, how to talk to people who have a belief without totally pissing them off. Yeah, we know Peter. <laughs> and, um, and so I worked with him, and he's really been my mentor. I buy him sushi lunches. And let me tell you, the guy can eat sushi. You have no idea. Um, uh, we we had we had Peter up here um, as a, a as a ago. lecturer. He can also put his uh, alcoholic drinks away. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> well, we we know we know Peter. Yeah, he's been really helpful. He introduced me to Richard Dawkins. I have a blurb on my first book from Dawkins, and. As I got involved in things, I went to the Reason Rally last year. I went to the Women in Secularism. I feel everybody has been really welcome, welcoming. Um, now, I'm 67, so nobody's going to talk to me on an elevator about coming up for coffee. <laughs> but um, I think so. I do think that there's a real lack of women who are activists in the movement. When I started this project, I went to Amazon and said, well, what are the best-selling books on atheism? And I, uh, the top 100, there were six who were written by women. But to me, that means we as women need to speak out. And when I was watching a whole bunch of um, debates on YouTube, they were, again, mostly men. And I called around to people I knew, like Annie Laurie Gaylor. Um, well, actually, I didn't know her personally, but um, and some other authors. And I said, you know, we need more people on YouTube. We need more people debating. Um, and it, it's not something I, I have gotten into personally yet. But a friend and I tried to debate another friend who's an atheist. We looked for two women in Oregon who would who were Christians who would uh, debate us? We couldn't find a single one who would step forth. Wow. Okay. Yep. Wow. And, and what, so what, we ended up reason, playing the roles ourselves. Karen, what reason did they give for not wanting to debate? Oh, a, a lot of times it was just I don't do that, or I don't have time, or something like that. But I, I just and and we went to professors at universities or theological schools. And I was really surprised that nobody wanted to do that. Well, hold on. So let me get this straight. We need to speak out more. Let me get this straight. You couldn't find two Christian women to debate you guys, right? Right, okay. right. So, so you guys could still, as two atheist women, you could still debate two Christian men. Well, it would still we have the same to impact. talk about women, women and atheism and a lot of the issues you're bringing up. And so my friend Bernie, 
he played the Christian woman and I played the atheist woman. <laughs> and it's actually it's on my YouTube channel if you if you want to see it. So um, it was kind of it was kind of interesting. Uh, is I've always had this. Uh, I've always said that you know um, uh, one of the unwritten rules of society is women are given the uh, role of the guardians of tradition. And which actually makes them actually fierce defenders of religion in many aspects, even though the religion itself is actually very misogynistic. Is it possible that this is the reason why we're having such a hard time finding women come out to talk about atheism? I love that Canadian accent. When I go up, I can go out and about. <laughs> I practice my out and about before I go there. Um, I think that, you know, people always ask me, well, why are there more women in churches? And to me, it's a sense of community. That's where your friends are. Mm -hmm. When I was growing up, I went to a Lutheran church in Bismarck, North Dakota. And the women did all the potlucks. They did all the funerals. They did everything. And that's where their friends were. And if you leave the church, then you're leaving your friends. Mm -hmm. One of my authors, Marsha Abelman, said that she and her husband, when they decided they no longer believed and left their church in Colorado Springs, not a single person in the church would ever have anything to do with them again. Like they were traitors, they were done, they were out. So it means a lot to to give up that friendship and that community. And what's interesting, um, one of my authors for my next book is an atheist minister, Greta Vosper in Canada. And she may be in the process of establishing her own congregation because the the national um, church in Canada, I think, is going to kind of kick her out of where she currently is. Mm. But I know an, an atheist pastor in Oregon, and I was on his radio show the other day. So there's a lot of um, nuns, N-O-N-E-S, sitting in those pews. Now, the uh, the atheist pastor wouldn't happen to be Jerry DeWitt by any chance, right? No. Oh, okay. I thought he could have been. <laughs> no, it's it's John Shook. And he is ministered a Presbyterian church in Portland. Hmm. And he's an atheist. And he's an atheist. The congregation knows he's an atheist. Wow. And people come there because they, that was a church they grew up in. They always come there. They like it. They meet their friends. And he must give pretty good uh, speeches. So. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess it really goes, you know, uh, sometimes you wonder that the, the teachings of the church kind of fly right over the head of people. It's just a feeling, the well-feeling of community. They actually go for, and that's what keeps them there. Keeps them well, there too, in a way. Exactly. And I wrote a, a post that's uh, coming out today about this website called Biblical Gender Roles. Like I said, you're kidding. You know, 2017. <laughs> but it's it's just really interesting how there's such a conservative fringe in the United States. When I was growing up. They didn't talk about that in church. They didn't talk about women not talking or, you know, uh, kowtowing to their husbands. That was, they never did that. And I think the fundamentalist movement, at least in the United States, has been growing in the last 30 years. Hmm. I think it depends on, on where you, you grow up. In, in North Dakota, I think you have, um, uh, you know, one, maybe a more liberal, um, you've got more liberal conservatives in, in church. When, when I lived in Texas for a long time, mm. uh, there there was quite a, um, a, a, a unified feeling among most Christian women that uh, they 
the husband was the head of the house. They were Christ was the head of the church, and the husband was the head of the house. And they they really assumed a, a much more secondary role than than they than they did probably in in Chicago or or Bismarck, North mm-hmm. Dakota. Mm-hmm. Well, was there was there a lot of um, these women you interviewed for your book? Was there a lot of um, uh, fear for them to leave faith? Was it really a a, a difficult trip for them? For the most part, well, the first woman um, had the worst time. She was raised in a fundamentalist religion with a very domineering father, and she talks about thirty years after having left her religion, how she still, you know, looked up at night and was worried that Satan was watching her. So some people had it very, very difficult. Mine, I call it namby pamby Lutheranism. <laughs> it was, you know, I kind of drifted away and. To me, church was always about family and community, and I had a really hard time as an adult, single woman, going into a new church. It just didn't feel right to me. You know, that I didn't know everybody, in the, I didn't know anyone in the pews. And so I resisted for a long time going to church as an adult. Can't blame you. Nothing more boring than go to church. Yeah. <laughs> well, then there's that. I always but I, happy I like the songs. What's that? My parents let me sleep. <laughs> you had such oh, cool let parents. Me <laughs> yeah, there's nothing worse, you know, when your mom wakes you up in the morning and she makes you put on that horrible sweater you hate because you have to wear <laughs> your Sunday bath to go to church. It's like, ah, yeah. I hated it. Yeah. Yeah. Just if we could go in our pajamas. <laughs> um, I'm actually curious. Um, with church having such a community aspect to it and that being a large reason why women don't want to leave it, do you think that we should focus on creating a community as a community feeling in atheism? Well, I think that's welcoming? an excellent question. There is something in the United States, I don't know how prevalent it is in Canada, called Sunday Assembly, which um, is trying to provide, you know, the songs, the music, the community, etc. But I read a book about 10 years ago called Bowling Alone. And, you know, when I was growing up, there were bowling leagues that people went to every week mm-hmm. and competed, et cetera. And basically it said people aren't doing things in groups as much as they used to. Now, with the advent of social media, you know, people are on their phone all the time. I'm not sure you would get a lot of people who uh, who would do that. There are so many things out there to participate in if you want to participate in something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Do you, do you feel these women uh, coming out uh, of their faith and their religion would be more inclined to do so if they saw more women in positions of... Um, leadership? I don't know if you could use the word leadership. If they were more, were more known, I guess. If, if you had a, a female version of Richard Dawkins, for example, yep. would it give more courage to women to come out of the faith? Well, I think that's really important. And that is the whole essence of role models. And I often tell the story that When I was in ninth grade, I did a study on early hominids and wrote this paper, and I was fascinated by it. But I never saw a woman science teacher. I never saw a woman scientist. I didn't read about women scientists, anthropologists, paleontologists. And so it never occurred to me. It's not like I couldn't have done that. My parents would have been real supportive. But for that first person to have to break the mold and say, you know, I'm going to be the pioneer, I'm going to do this, it's very difficult. And so we don't have a lot of role models. As you said, a lot of the leading atheists, you know, the four horsemen, Mm -hmm. Dawkins and company, uh, are men. And we need more women to speak out. And the reason I wrote this book is 
We need role models. So they can read this book and go, oh, I don't identify with her or wow, I really identify with this Mm -hmm. woman or she had it worse than I do. Why am I complaining? I can do it. Mm -hmm. I can leave the church. Or if she can do it, um, I'm going to follow her path. So I think it's very important to have role models. And we do have some women atheist authors, but I don't think any of them have written more than two books. Greta Christina might have. Mm. But, um, you know, people will write a book and then then they go on and do something else. So we need uh, those activists. We need the role models. We need women speaking out. I totally agree. You know, myself, when I think of uh, a woman that's left faith, the first one that comes to my mind is Ayanna Ziali. Uh, there's a woman that's had fantastic story and incredible courage, yet uh, she's um, vilified in many aspects, and not just from the Muslim side, but she seems she's also attacked as a woman. And is there is as has there been a backlash for these from these women that you've interviewed in these short stories? Have they seen much of a backlash outside the typical thing when you come out as an atheist? Not really. You know, other than losing friends who were part of that church community, but uh, a lot of these people live, um, well, some of them live in Oregon, some of them elsewhere. Now, I did have people who used pseudonyms because their family didn't know, or one of them was a Jehovah's Witness, and mm. she, she has an interesting story to tell. And she uh, wanted to use a pseudonym because her parents know that she's an atheist, but None of her cousins do. And in that particular religion, if you leave and become a non-believer, then the rest of your family isn't supposed to have anything yeah. to do with you. So there's some kind of harsh penalties there. Hmm. Wow. We often have people, just mixed genders, I guess. We have people who come to our meetings. We have um, we belong to a group that meets every every Sunday, and it's more of a discussion group. We cover everything. But we do have people that come and break down in tears when they mm-hmm. find out that we're accepting um, and encouraging people to come and talk and express whatever uh, ideas and feelings they have about religion because they have been so bound up, you know, in, in a conservative religion and not been able to speak freely about uh, doubts and uh, thoughts that, that are atheistic or humanistic. And we've, we've experienced it several times of people who just come and just, totally break down in mm-hmm. in tears and it's like a such a relief for them to find people that they can communicate with but even in a group even in a group the vast majority of people showing up are, are males yeah okay? i mean except except right here right now in the studio <laughs> where there are actually more women than men and that's because i just make a really good cup of coffee yeah. uh, it is he, he he actually will make a very good barista someday <laughs> <laughs> but I, it, seem, it seems it's the trend all over the place. It seems we have way more males coming out and speaking out than females, and that's a shame. Oh, I, to- I totally agree. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've started one of my tasks this summer was to write to different conventions, national, both in Canada and the United States, and ask to speak. Uh, what's interesting to me is uh, when I decided to do this project, I thought, well, I got to do some review here. So I read a lot about mythology and religion. And a lot about the difference between worshiping a female goddess Mm -hmm. and a male. And if you look back at the Paleolithic, just imagine this woman who bleeds every month in coordination with the cycles of the moon, and she (laughs) she doesn't die. Whereas a hunter goes out there and gets stabbed, 
he dies. And then she has a baby and there's blood associated with that. And early on, they actually thought the baby was formed from the blood. And that's why you start having these, you know, the issue of um, sacrificing and blood and all of that kind of stuff, because it was so important uh, for the woman to have a child to continue the tribe. So you've got this veneration of woman. You have a sense of you're part of the earth. There's a mother earth that brings you forth and that you go back into. And then when you develop monotheism, it takes everything <laughs> that the goddess believed in and turn it on its head. Now we're no longer part of the earth. We have dominion over the earth. And mm-hmm. woman is no longer venerated. She's uh, the perpetrator of original sin. And the symbols in that Garden of Eden with the snake, which was a symbol for the goddess, a tree, which was a symbol for Asherah, one of the goddesses in Canaan. And just somebody did a brilliant job of taking all of those symbols and turning them around to be bad. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Although I never understood why Christians think that, you know, a woman taking dietary advice from a, a talking snake in a magical garden was something to believe. <laughs> well, as, as all myths are, they're borrowings. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the, the Babylonian myths, where you have Marduk saying to his other gods in Enuma Elish, you know, guys, if you let me be top dog, I'll get rid of Tiamat, who is the, um, the dragon. sea dragon, who's the female deity. And they say, sure, and he cuts her up. And you see pieces of that all over the Bible, you know, separating the the sky from the earth and yes. all of those kind of things. So culture isn't uh, created from whole cloth. Yeah, it is pieces of this and pieces of that that are borrowed. I mean, a lot of the religions today certainly are not very women friendly, but uh, there's no doubt that before the uh, major three Abraham- Abrahamic religion, a lot of religions out there in faith before that were much more female friendly than they are today that's for sure well exactly and i always say it's downhill from agriculture you know to once you start to have property and you stay in the same place and you start getting these villages and the women's role uh becomes one of uh she's got to be a virgin so we're sure that uh his child is his. She can't commit adultery because we want to be sure that he can set, give his land mm-hmm. to his son. Mm-hmm. You start to get hierarchies. They're dominated by males. There's no difference between religion and government. Whereas in hunter-gatherer societies, even today, they're much more egalitarian. Mm. Yes, yes. That's a very good point. You said you had a couple of excerpts from your book. Would you be so kind to give us one up? Yeah. And I mentioned this woman who was raised fundamentalist. And here's what she says. As I tried to let my beliefs go, my head seemed far ahead of the rest of me. I would think that makes no sense, but I would be assailed by intense fear and doubt. I felt all of my old fears and beliefs still skulking inside like the biblical Leviathan, a sea monster that lurked in the deep. I felt wrong, as though I had committed a terrible crime and I was going to be punished. Whenever I got near anything to do with my religion, a Christian co-worker, a bumper sticker, a debate, or a speaker, something on the internet or the news, even, or especially my own family, I went into a tailspin of dread and doubt for days. I kept thinking the fear would diminish, but it went on for months and months. My fear was so ingrained that as I wrestled with my beliefs, I had shadowy nightmares, and I felt like things were creeping up on me in the middle of the night. As I sat in my chair reading, There were times when I involuntarily glanced upward, as if lightning might crash through my ceiling. 
When I attacked my beliefs upon, about Satan, it felt as if he was in my room with me. This was a complete surprise, not to mention freaky. After 30 years away from my religion, my mind was still being assaulted with a rational fear for disbelieving. And that, I think, really shows how if you inculcate something early on and indoctrinate children, those, uh, you know, those minds are so malleable, mm -hmm. and it really sticks with you. I, I will lay my head down on my pillow at night and start going, now I lay me down to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just comes unbidden. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it was a, ter a terrific choice, but you already know this. It's such a terrific choice for you to do your book as a series of essays by women because we are so community-minded that uh, when we can relate to a number of different women, it's it's very powerful for us rather than hearing one single voice and uh, to be able to to mold that around uh, well, I, I, I understand this one, but I really relate to that woman. I think the book's going to be a, a great success, and mm -hmm. kudos to you for, for thinking of that format and for taking the time to do all of those interviews and to put them in the, in the book in a way that uh, they'll be the most, most logical and, and reasonable and powerful you know, for the reader. Mm -hmm. Thank I, you. I, I, Let me um, read another one for you, a short course. one. This is a woman who was raised as a Jehovah's Witness. And she wasn't supposed to associate, to say nothing about date, to say nothing about sleep with a man who wasn't <laughs> a Jehovah's Witness. And somebody ratted on her boyfriend, and she was called before the tribunal of elders, three elders, one of which, by the way, was having an affair with a married woman. <clears throat> Not hypocritical or anything like that. But they said to her, you must consider him a tool of Satan. And she says... The fluorescent lights became unbearably bright as I felt my body stiffen, preparing for my reply. I stood my ground and continued to refute their offensive correlation of my love with the devil. Trying to reason and explain my logical feelings, as opposing as that sounds, to this tribunal of elders was futile, though. In this church, females were not given equal voice and stature. Therefore, for me to come into the room prepared for anything but groveling for forgiveness was tantamount to disrespect. I had naively presumed they would treat me with the respect and openness that I had been raised to believe I deserved. And in the heat of that moment, I did not recognize the danger I was in by voicing my thoughts. After a solid two hours of back and forth, they left the room for an agonizing 90 minutes to deliberate, during which time I sat alone in the back room of the Kingdom Hall, feeling confused, abandoned, and pissed. Wow. And that's when she left her religion. Wow. She should have just said, tool of the devil. I like his tool. <laughs> 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 oh, my God. Karen, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if people want to find out more about your book and where they can get it, where can they find you? Uh, www.faithlessfeminist.com. The book is called Women Beyond Belief, Discovering Life Without Religion. And it's available in paperback, electronic, and the audiobook has just come out. And in fun bookstores everywhere. When is the when yeah. is the uh, the second book coming out? Yeah. The first of the year. Oh, and not that go. far. That's great. Trust me, I'll call you back. Yeah, oh, yeah. no, yeah, come back on the show for sure. Yeah, that I was leading toward when that book comes out. We'd love to have you back. Yeah. Well, I would love to be there. Perfect. Excellent. Uh, Karen, before I let you go, I gotta have you say. Can you say, "Hi, I'm Karen Garst, and I took a left at the valley." Hi, I'm Karen Garst, and I took a left at the valley. And that was Karen Garst. That was a lot of fun. She's lovely. I like her. She is. She that was is. a fun interview. And she's so fun to hang out with. 
She's so fun to hang out with. Yes, she is. You know, I wonder if this show is feminist enough. What do you think? Um, <laughs> I think we should yeah, have a I'm, few more I'm, women. I'm looking forward to that second book because I really think it the, the, the timing is right for a uh, you know a, a collection of, of essays that are that powerful mm-hmm. for yeah. women. Top of my right. Now, the events that happened last week in Charlottesville, Virginia, have shocked not just the U.S. and Canada, but have made made ripples all over the world to the point where it has even eclipsed attacks by ISIS in Europe. Now, I could come in and wag my finger and give you lessons of history and tell you why we should fight fascism, but I think... Somebody said it better than I, and this is the mayor of uh, New Orleans. So let's listen into what he says. These statues are not just stone and metal. They're not just innocent remembrances of a benign history. These monuments celebrate a fictional sanitized confederacy, ignoring the death, ignoring the enslavement, ignoring the terror that it actually stood for. And after the Civil War, these monuments were part of that terrorism, as much as burning a cross on someone's lawn. They were erected purposefully to send a strong message to all who walked in the shadows about who was still in charge in this city. This is not about a naive quest to solve all of our problems at once. This is, however, about showing the whole world that we as a city, that we as a people, are able to acknowledge to understand, to reconcile, and more importantly, choose a better future for ourselves, making straight what has been crooked and making right what was wrong. This is not just about statutes, this is about attitudes, and it's about behaviors as well. If we take down these statutes and don't change to become a more open and inclusive society, then all of this would have been in vain. Let us again state clearly for all to hear. The Confederacy was on the wrong side of history and humanity. It sought to tear apart our nation and subjugate our fellow Americans to slavery. This is a history we should never forget and one that we should never, ever again put on a pedestal to be revered. As a community, we must recognize the significance of removing New Orleans Confederate monuments. It is our acknowledgement that now is a time to take stock of and then move past a painful part of our history. Anything less would render generations of courageous struggle and soul searching a truly lost cause. Otherwise, we will continue to pay a price with discord, with division, and yeah, violence. That was the speech that should have come out of Donald Trump's mouth. Not some two-bit, oh, there's bad guys on either side. And if you remember last week when we were interviewing Marissa Alexa McCool, she made a very good point about when you come to talk to people, how they will try to shut you down because they don't want to talk about the subject. This is also what's happening all over the place, all over social media. All these posts saying, well, you know, George Washington did something. Should we take his statue down? No, it's not the same thing. And they need to be called out. The statue of Robert E. Lee in Charlottesville was erected Not after the Civil War. It was erected in the 50s and 60s. In a place where Robert E. Lee never even stood. Never even went to Charlottesville. It was a clear message to the black African community. You know what? We're in charge. Tough. It's not about heritage. It was about racism, pure and simple. 
It wasn't about states' rights. It was racism, pure and simple. And this needs to be called out. And we need to do it as a people, not just Canadians, but Americans especially, need to stand together and call this out. Otherwise, how can we possibly look at what we dubbed the greatest generation, the one that actually fought fascism, how can we look at them and say, we haven't learned a lesson at all. You guys went and fought for nothing. And that takes us to the end of our show. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us on the show today. You can follow us on leftofthevalley.com. You can follow us on uh, Twitter at LETV Podcast on Facebook. Make sure to catch our little sister show, So You Think You're a Skeptic, exclusively on Facebook. If you want to look it up, just look up that title. Um, let's see. Coming up. Let's see. Where's my schedule? Where's my schedule? And you can send us an email at leftatvalley at outlook.com. Oh, we got a big schedule going on there. Next week, we'll be talking to Veronica Drance about assigning gender at birth. Nice. Oh. In the beginning of September, our friend Jonathan Baker is coming back to talk about the Paris Accords. After that, we have our old friend Del Rey. We'll be talking about recovering from literature. We love Del Rey. And mid-September, we'll have Michael Sparks talking about Bernie Sanders. How can he spell about Bernie Sanders? On the 23rd, we have Arn Raw, our friend Arn. His rawness is coming back. He's going to be followed by Jerry Coyne. In October, we'll have William Zingrone. He's also an author. And we'll also have Jump the Vegan. We'll be talking about veganism. Oh, cool. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, like I said, at the beginning of next year, we'll also have probably Karen will come back for her next book. And <laughs> yeah. we'll have, of course, Michael Shermer. <sighs> That, that vegan conversation can be super fun because I work in the animal industry. Yeah, cows are vegans. Yeah. <laughs> well, We've got a great any, lineup. Any um, uh, animal product. Yes. She wouldn't, the individual wouldn't drink milk. Guys, thank you for being with me today on the show. I appreciate that. And, uh, let's hope the world doesn't go to hell in the handbasket yeah. in the next couple of weeks. And if it does, just read Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> Harry that was Potter. Christina and unnecessarily those of Method of Valley subsidiaries. And, you know, you better give me that interview with Daniel Radcliffe with all this Harry Potter thing. Okay, you I better will. get that interview. <laughs> or I will Actually, never let it go. No, um, we can get, uh, get Emma Watson and continue our feminist streak. That would be fine. cool. That's fine. That would be really cool. Is she a feminist? Yeah. She's, well, a, she's amazing. Have then, you not listened to her, um, her uh, no, talk I, to the U- UN? No, I, I Let's haven't. talk more action. It's amazing. Bring her. Bring her. We absolutely have to have okay. her or him. I don't care. That'd be great. That'd be a great interview. Guys? Or we could bring Draco. Oh, jeez. Whatever. <laughs> is that a dragon? Draco? I don't know. It, it is, yes. It is the actual root of it. Guys, until next time. Children are raped by priests and since they're holy men of God they get away scot-free and the Pope does his very best to keep it on the hush. Don't want to affect business. He loves money too much. We know that they love the kids but how the fuck can we protect while they planning to molest them, we teaching them to respect them. Respect them. Fuck that. The system is broke down, working backwards, and the only action or tactic I plan to practice now is to attack them. The parties of God's hands are bloodstained, millions of murders by believers, and they're all in God's name. And let me take a sec, don't mean to sound so hateful, but I swear to God, unintended, I find it disgraceful that many atheists are told to be quiet, you're not alone. Speak your mind, time to let it be known I'm proud to be an 
atheist, a skeptic, a non-believer, an infidel, a heathen, I call it how I see it. I say it's ignorance and you just call it faith and unsubstantiated claims, that's something to be ashamed. I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, I'm an atheist, I'm an With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.